We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. All right, welcome back to the show. Hurricanes basketball team has a little bit of a break during the holiday. Will return to action on Tuesday, December the 29th against Virginia Tech. First road game inside the ACC. So we'll have a doubleheader action going on, football and basketball. At the same time, I'm going to split myself in half. Joining us now is University of Miami head coach Jim Laranega. Coach L, good evening. How are you? Hi, Joe. I'm doing good. And yeah, you're going to be at the football game, huh? <laughs> well, the bowl game in Orlando? We haven't worked all of that out just yet. Uh, <laughs> we've been calling. Well, I think them. the weather in Orlando will be a lot better than in Blacksburg. Yeah, Blacksburg at the end of December can always be uh, dicey. And the last time you were in Blacksburg, of course, we had a uh, unbelievable game, a triple overtime game against Virginia Tech. So uh, maybe we'll reminisce on that one in a moment. But you are coming off uh, a nice win on Saturday against Jacksonville. What did you like about that victory? I like that we won, and uh, I like that we had a couple of more healthy bodies. Earl Timberlake, a freshman who had missed our first five games, finally got a chance to suit up and play, played 25 minutes, had double-figure points, made some really good key plays down the stretch, made five out of six from the foul line, one out of two from three-point range, played some excellent defense. So it was very, very nice to have Earl uh get his initial game under his belt and hopefully we can keep him healthy joe he's dealt with two different injuries so far uh the latest being the sprained ankle where he was in a boot for five weeks uh but we're hoping not only will he get back but that he can practice and and get used to his teammates because when he was in the boot you know and couldn't practice couldn't play you know you got to develop some kind of chemistry with your teammates. They got to learn what you like to do and you got to learn what they like to do. And that's been very challenging for him and for us. He's a very interesting player. He likes to thread a tight needle with his passing game. Very unselfish player. Well, he, he is very team oriented, a tremendous competitor. We're going to play him, Joe, 
at the one, two, three, and four. He's very, very versatile, like a Jimmy Butler type. Uh, and, you know, I'll give you an example. He didn't practice today. He had to have an injection, and uh, he has to sit out for several days. Now, the good thing is we're now not practicing. He's got three straight days off, Wednesday, Thursday, and Christmas Day. We'll come back on the 26th, and hopefully he'll be able to practice and keep practicing. But at practice today, we had six players available and seven players on the injured list. How about that? That's not a good recipe. Well, each guy has something different. You know, Chris Likes has been dealing with an ankle sprain for, um, I believe, three weeks. Cam Augustia pulled hamstring for two weeks. Uh, Rodney Miller uh, hurt his knee uh, in the Jacksonville game on Saturday. He's out. Sam Warnberg had surgery back in, in October. He's out. Uh, who else would, were we missing today? Uh, but each of the guys Rodney. that was oh, no, out, yep. Harlan Beverly was out, and Earl was out, So, and Dan Gak was out. So it's, it's almost impossible to practice. We only had six guys, so we did a lot of individual work. Well, you've got a good low post game, and you can shoot free throws. So you, <laughs> we, might, we might have to see if we can get some more eligibility. Well, I went through a list of names of the guys who were sitting out. Then I put up on the board uh, three spots, one, two, and three. Who are our top three-point shooters? Chris Light, Cam Agusti, and Matt Cross is the answer. Well, Chris Light is not playing. Cam Agusti's not playing. And, and Matt Cross was dealing with bursitis in his shooting arm. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't been able to really shoot the three for the last two weeks. So our three best three-point shooters. So when people say, why are they shooting the three so bad? Well, the three best guys are not on the court. They're not able to shoot. Uh, and then, and then we, we put on the board uh, about what kind of offense are we going to run if, if we don't have Sam Warnberg, we don't have Rodney Miller, uh, we've all of a sudden went from having a seven foot center who started all last year and a six ten forward who started all last year. All our experience is, is gone. And uh, now chances are we're going to have to play small ball. We'll probably be playing four guards on a regular basis for the rest of the season. Hmm. I, I do remember last year, I asked you one day at a shoot around about Earl Timberlake, and I said, uh, "Where does he play?" And you said, "Anywhere he wants." So you you knew ahead of time. I think you knew last year that you perhaps were going to be able to play him at the multiple positions. Yeah, at six five, six six, a good athlete, weighs two hundred and fifteen pounds, is really uh, well put together, very strong, but he's quick and he loves to defend. So. You know, the other night we put him on the point guard. No, to start, we when he, when he came in off the bench, we put him on the leading scorer, the kid Dontarius James. Right. And uh, he did a very good job on him. And then a little bit later, we put him on the guard, uh, number three, uh, who was just an excellent ball-handling driver type. 
and no one could keep him out of the lane, but Earl did. He did a really good job on him. So he goes from guarding the four-man to guarding the point guard equally well. So we're going to – we're not going to be very big. We're going to struggle against some of the bigger teams in our league. But I, I, I feel good if we're healthy. If we get Chris Likes and Cam Augusti back, Isaiah Wong's playing at a very high level. Uh, Harlan Beverly is dealing with a back injury. So uh, hopefully he'll be back close to 100% by the time he gets the rest that he needs. Uh, Dan Gak is one of those guys. He's been hurt throughout his, his career. And uh, he can give us some quality minutes, maybe not long stints, but, you know, five, eight, ten minutes in a game. Oh, hopefully we can get healthy, Joe. That's all I can say. Yeah. How do you feel about Elijah Olanini? Ola, you need, I'll get it right. How do you feel about Elijah? It's Olani Yee. Olani, like Lonnie Walker. Olani and then Yi, Y I. I had a perfect and Elijah is uh, was very excited to be declared eligible. He was supposed to sit out this entire season. Uh, the NCAA, in their wisdom, made all transfers eligible. So he not only got to play, he started and played 37 minutes in his first game in Miami uniform. So. Um, do I expect him to play 35 or 37 minutes every game? Absolutely not. But hopefully he can give us some quality minutes off the bench and and uh, give some much-needed rest to, to some of the other guys. So he'll probably be like uh, Cam Augusty's backup. What do you think moving forward about the transfers? Is this the way it's going to be, or was this a one-time-only deal, or going forward – when you recruit a transfer, will they be immediately eligible? Well, that's going to be voted on, I think, in January. And the word is uh, there'll be no more red shirting. You can, if you transfer one time, you do not have to sit out. You can transfer and be immediately eligible and play at your new school. So over the last five years, we've been averaging over 1,000 transfers there's a very good chance that'll jump to almost 2,000 transfers. Are, are there so spots? That, are there... That, that's, half, that's half the kids. 4,500 kids play Division One basketball. 4,500. And there's a good chance, you know, 1,800 to 2,000 will transfer at the end of each year. Hmm. I was going to say, are there enough spots for that many transfers? Well, the thing is, if they're immediately eligible, that was one of the reasons why they, they made players eligible because there were so many kids sitting out. Yeah. A thousand kids were sitting out on scholarship, not playing. And teams like ours, you know, we were shorthanded. Having an extra guy, we only have 12 scholarship players. You're allowed 13. But if you have 12 or 13 scholarship players and everybody's healthy, you know, you're only going to play seven, eight, nine guys at the most. There are guys just sitting on the sidelines. So what teams were doing, including ourselves, hey, let's uh, recruit a transfer. He can sit out. He can be a good practice player and learn our system in one year like Angel Rodriguez and Sheldon McClellan did. And then once they become eligible, they're, they're ready to rock and roll. 
are you seeing growth in Anthony Walker's game? Absolutely. From from freshman year uh, to now, uh, there's been a significant improvement. He had his first double-double, 18 points, 10 rebounds. If he can keep up, I'm not saying average 18 and 10, but if he can get, you know, 8 to eight to 12 points, if he can get six or seven rebounds, that would be a huge boost to us offensively and defensively. Yeah, I thought he did a really nice job. The um, free throw shooting was interesting last week. One game, Pittsburgh, very tough. And then the Jacksonville game, it was almost as, as if your team could have made them blindfolded. Much more improvement well, on Saturday. Well, this is, this is the thing. Uh, we were 16 for, for 31. I, I mentioned Chris Likes and Cam Agussi. They're our two best free throw shooters as well. And they're the guys that often get fouled. So last year we were number one in the ACC in free throw percentage. This year down at the bottom. Well, the reason is the, the guys who, who got fouled, uh, first of all, weren't even supposed to be in the start lineup, probably wouldn't have gotten many free throws except under the crazy circumstances. But we spent so much time in the preseason shooting free throws. So after the Pittsburgh game, we we did not have a lot of healthy bodies. But the one thing we could do, even the guys who were hurt, is shoot free throws. So we shot 100 a day. And uh, it certainly paid off because Anthony Walker, who had missed a bunch of free throws, and Harlan Beverly had missed a bunch of free throws, they both shot much better against against Jacksonville than they did against Pitt. You've had six games so far at the Watsco Center, six games in this COVID era. What has it been like for you coaching in the environment that we have? Are you getting accustomed to it? Well, first of all, for, for the fans, we haven't been on the road primarily because I was very concerned about traveling with COVID going to be spiking at Thanksgiving time and Christmas time. So we try to keep our guys safe, stay in the confines of our home court, the Watsko Center, and stay in our own beds uh, and and stay uh, as far away from uh, the potential of getting COVID. And that's worked out well. We have not had anybody come down with it. Now we're going to be traveling to Blacksburg and playing Virginia Tech a week from now, but hopefully you know, we're going to have two buses. Uh, we're going to uh, socially distance on the plane. And hopefully we can stay safe. It's it's not going to be easy when you're traveling. But uh, our guys know that how important that is. Um, so I'm pleased about that. With, we're four and two. Uh, we could easily be six and zero. Oh. oh, if we had made our free throws against Pitt, we would have a good chance of winning. We made any kind of three-point shooting uh, against Florida Gulf Coast. You know, you go one for your first 17 while they're shooting lights out. Uh, that made it very hard. I think they made, what did I say, they made 10 threes or no, 12. They made 12 threes and, and we made three. Uh, that's, they scored 36 points and we scored nine. So we got to get our three-point shooters back and healthy. Mm-hmm. I, I know it's important to you to have 
your your bench players to be into the game, have a very good attitude. They are spread out all over the place, but but I as I watch them, their involvement in the game, I see them being very supportive. Oh yeah, Chris likes game Augusty. You know Rodney Miller when he was sidelined. I mean these guys cheer for each other. They're very good friends. Hey Joe, we we did a, a gift exchange. So every player had to buy a gift for a teammate under $10. Okay. So you didn't want to spend a lot of money, but we wanted to have some fun. Every player, every coach, uh, every, every manager donated a gift. You just put it on the table and then the guys pick out, you know, the gift one at a time. And uh, two of the gifts got the, the, the biggest laughs. And the first gift that, that uh, got a big laugh was, uh, one of the players got up and picked a, a thing that looked like it might have been a book, and he opened it up, and it was a book. Uh-huh. It was The Scramble Defense by Coach Jim Laranega. <laughs> <laughs> so the players all got a big kick out of that. I don't know who donated that one, but it was pretty funny. And then a little later on in the afternoon, uh, the uh, one of the players went up and picked his gift, and he opened it up, and everybody was like, "Hey, what what is that?" And he said, "I think it's like a snow globe." So he turned it upside down and turned it back, and he said, "Yeah, it's a snow globe, but it's a Coachell snow globe." So back when I was at George Mason, they they did a um, a handout to the first thousand fans. They did a a snow globe with me like kneeling in my suit of what I wear in a game. And the players got the biggest kick out of that. They thought it was very, very funny. <laughs> All right. So uh, unitary conference play when your team comes back, by the way, before we get the Virginia tech, one other thing, how, how about the holidays? Uh, what are you doing with your team? I, I assume they're all staying in town then, right? They're all staying in town and we can't work them out. Okay. So they basically have three days on their own. They can go into the gym and shoot. That's not a problem, but a coach cannot be in the gym with them. Mm -hmm. All right, so you get him back, and then uh, Virginia Tech's coming up. Hokies are off to a great start. This kid, Aluma, he seems to be scoring at a very high rate. Uh, How much have you looked at Virginia Tech? Knowing you, you probably already got it memorized, but uh, they're off to a wonderful start. They really are. Uh, their win over Clemson, their 1-0 in conference play, sitting tied for first, basically. Virginia Tech, very much like last year, Joe, has a lot of skilled players. Um, Elaine, who's basically a shooting guard, and Cone, who's basically a shooting guard, but an undersized shooting guard, are both shooting lights out. In their last game, they each hit five. Just two players, and they hit like five for nine and five for 11. So there's two excellent shooters. They have Beatty back at the point, and he's distributing the ball. And then they got the guy Radford, who we can't guard. Uh, I'm hoping Earl Timberlake will be healthy so he can try to guard this guy. But he caused the spits last year. And then um, a kid named Mutt starts at the four, kind of an undersized uh, four. And and Aluma. Uh, starts at the five, six, ten, very skilled. He had two threes in their last game. Six, ten, very good in around the basket. 
good shot blocker, good rebounder, and just an excellent, skilled big guy. And then their bench, their bench has been very effective for them. So uh, this will be a very challenging game. I'm hoping if we're healthy and we have all our players, then we match up very well. But if we're missing Chris Likes, if we're missing Cam Augusty, and we're that short-handed, I don't, I, I, I don't like that circumstance that we'd be dealing with, and we'd have to have some other guys really step up. Yeah, because Cam played very well against them last year. I think he uh, hit one of the shots to send us into one of the overtimes. And, of course, Isaiah, he scored 27 against them last year. Yeah, Cam, Cam scored a three-point play to put the game into overtime. Right. We were, we were uh, down three with just like 20 seconds to go. And he drove in for a layup, and they should have just let him go. They still would have been up one, but the guy tried to block it. Cam did a great job of shielding, taking the hit, making the shot, then making the free throw to tie the game and put it into overtime. And then Isaiah Wong, uh, in the last four minutes of regulation and throughout the overtime, was on fire. At a career-high 27 points, uh, he uh, really took his man off the dribble, made jump shots, made threes, made driving layups, and made – I forget what he was from the foul line, Joe. Do you remember? He didn't miss a free throw. I think he was 14 for 14. Wow, 14 for 14 from the foul line. So we need we are going to need Isaiah to keep playing. He's averaging like 20 a game now. Yeah, he's been, he's been wonderful. We haven't even spoken about him, but uh, the other day he had 25 points against Jacksonville. Maybe it was 26 points, and uh, he uh, played extremely well. How about his growth in the last, really it's been about one year because during the first half of last season, he wasn't as big a factor. But from about mid-February of last year to now, he has become a really, really important player for you. He really has, and uh, his scoring has been consistent. Uh, He is a very good three-point shooter, uh, and I'd love to have him have some of his, his teammates like Chris and Cam back in there making threes, Matt Cross making threes, because if we could put the four of them out there at the same time, uh, I think we'd have an excellent chance. And that's really the direction we were going in, uh, going into game two against Stetson. Right. You know, Chris Likes had 20 points with 11 minutes to go in the game, and then he got hurt. And then in the next game against Purdue, Cam Augusty he hit the first three of the game and then pulled his hamstring. So very strange, but Isaiah's off to a great start. We got to keep him rolling. He had uh, the 27 points against Virginia Tech in that triple overtime game, plus 12 rebounds. So that was a heck of a night and 14 for 14 on the free throw line. You are going to start the new year back home against Clemson on January the 2nd. And Miami and Clemson, for whatever reason, when you play those guys, it always seems to be a very tight game. Yeah, they they play um, very similarly to us. Both teams play a lot of man-to-man defense. Uh, I've coached against Brad Brownell, the head coach of, of Clemson now, for nearly 20 years. He was the head coach of UNC Wilmington when I was the head coach of George Mason. And we've had some incredible battles including the CAA championship one year, the Colonial Athletic Association tournament championship, 
Only one team goes to the NCAAs. And, Joe, the final score was (laughs) 35-33. You talk about two teams that knew each other and just beat each other up and had a very hard time scoring because their defense was so good. And not only was it 35-33, but they made a shot at the buzzer that would have put it into overtime, and the referees ruled that it was still in the shooter's hands. It, it was a split second away from tying the game and putting it into overtime. So our George Mason team went to the NCAA tournament, and Wilmington didn't go anywhere. So Brad Brunell, he and I have had some huge battles. Well, the game that and we Joe, coached. if you remember, uh, just to, to reminisce a little bit, in 2013, our last regular season game, we beat Clemson at home here to clinch the ACC regular season championship. You remember right. that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just going to mention that that uh, the game the the game that clinched the ACC regular season championship was against Clemson, and then one of the big shots that year was Kenny Kaji's three at Clemson. Yeah, that oh I remember that. Kenny was fired up. Yeah. We had trailed that game most of the game and then Shane Larkin found Kenny for a three trailing the play and Kenny made the shot. Did that tie the game that that was another low score. That was like forty five all with a few minutes to go. Yeah, that put you in front and held on for the win. And, yeah. and what, I, what I remember about that experience was, at that point, your team was really rolling. It was late in the season, and your, your meeting the night before was in the big conference room that they had there at Clemson on campus where we stayed, and you went through all of your signals, your hand signals uh, oh, yeah. for, the, for the team, and they knew them. And I thought it was two things. One was midway through the year, late in the season – but they knew everything, and also they were so mature. I, I thought that was uh, pretty impressive at that time. Yeah, we had a, a real veteran team that year. What else, Joe? What can we talk about? All right, before we let you go, uh, w- what do you make of where we are in the ACC right now? Louisville, they're going to play Kentucky. Kentucky seems to be wobbling. Louisville loses by 40 to Wisconsin. Florida State looked great, but then they lose a home game, and they haven't lost a home game to a non-conference team in forever. They lose to UCF. Uh, Where do you think we are right now with the conference? Well, the first thing you have to do is, is look at what COVID has done to college basketball. Uh, DePaul University, their basketball program hasn't played a game yet. There are teams in our league that have been shut down for a week or two. And so when you can't practice, if you have injured players like we have and you can't practice and prepare, your, your performances are going to be very inconsistent and very unpredictable. So there's no way I would have predicted we're going to go one for 17 against Purdue and win the game from one for 17 from three. And in the next game, go one for seven for the first 17 against Florida Gulf Coast and lose. There's just no way you can, you can predict stuff like that. But part of the reason is you're not practicing correctly. You just don't have scrimmages. There's not a lot of action. You don't have enough guys. And that's what's happening. Villanova just postponed their game with St. John's. Hmm. I think they were supposed to play tonight. 
And yeah, that's what, there are ACC games going on tonight, yeah, December 22nd, and people are playing. Yeah, Louisville's oh. up 14 on Pittsburgh. Yeah, but Pitt's playing without its top two players. <laughs> and and their Penny's coach. out, and I believe Xavier Johnson's out with injuries. Now you say, yeah. why so many injuries? Well, it's very hard to get a guy back in shape when he's sat out for two weeks or five weeks. That was the major concern I have with Earl Timberlake playing against Jacksonville. I said, Earl, you really haven't scrimmaged since back in in October. You went, uh, maybe maybe it was early November, but he just hadn't played. So very, very rusty and and not in great shape. We try to get him in shape by doing the running, but there's there's no replacing scrimmaging to get in basketball shape. You got to play games and in practice, you got to scrimmage. You got to go up and down the court with your teammates. And we're not able to do that much. Would you be, by the way, Champagne's out for eight weeks uh, for Pittsburgh. Oh, He's going to be out for eight weeks. Yeah. Why couldn't he have done that a week ago, Joe? <laughs> I don't know, but he's out for six to eight weeks and North Carolina state is putting it on Carolina 37 to 23. Yeah. That's a long game though. That's a a, yeah. a high possession game. That that could go into the 80s or 90s. So right. It's early. All right, coach. Well, as always great to speak with you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you and Mrs. L. And uh thanks so much for joining us. Always appreciate it. By the way, the NBA season gets underway. What what do you think's going to happen with the Heat? Uh, I think the Heat will have a great year again. Uh, I know my Celtics, they, my son's team, they open yep. up against Milwaukee tomorrow night, team that won the, the Eastern Conference last year. I think the, the NBA, you're going to be in for a lot of challenges because the way COVID is spiking right now, after Christmas, it'll likely spike again because people – you know, they, they're going to go to Christmas parties. They're going to go out to the bars. They're going to do some things to have fun during the holiday season. So, Joe, I'm going to say good night. I'm going to wish everybody happy holiday, uh, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Valentine's Day. I don't know when <laughs> we're going to get a chance to, to celebrate any of these holidays, but uh, – uh, it's always great talking to you, Joe, and I, I hope our fans keep listening to your broadcast or watching us on TV as we battle in the ACC regular season race. All right, Coach. Appreciate it very much. Have a great holiday. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. All right, that's uh, University of Miami head coach Jim Laranega. Canes will take on Virginia Tech the same time Miami plays Oklahoma State in football. So that'll be next Tuesday, a busy day for University of Miami Athletics. Let me talk to you for a moment about Williamson Cadillac, a part of Miami's unique community for over 52 years. And Williamson Cadillac serves this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here because Williamson is Miami. Ed Williamson, Carol Williamson, Ed Ed Williamson Cadillac, so much, you know, in the car business is talked about pricing. But Williamson Cadillac is customer care. It's friendliness and it's reliability. Those are the golden rules. 
and you won't find a friendlier person, a more reliable person than Ed Williamson and his wife, Carol. And that's the way they conduct their lives. That's the way they handle the dealership. So if you are looking for an unmistakable drive right now, may I suggest the XT crossover? Or if you want to excite your senses, how about the CT sedan series? Or if you just want to ride in the original icon, the Cadillac Escalade. You can view their entire inventory online at williamsoncadillac.com or you can go to their dealership. It is easily located at US 1 and 104th Street, just south of the Palmetto Expressway. Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Okay, welcome back to the show. A reminder, next Tuesday, doubleheader. Miami and Virginia Tech football, or rather Miami and Oklahoma State football. That game kicks off at 5.30. Our pregame begins at 1.30. And then basketball, Miami and Virginia Tech, that one tips off at 6 p.m. That will be on 99.9 HD2 beginning at 5.30. So that is the lineup for next Tuesday, December the 29th. Uh, Then the Hurricanes will open up the home conference season uh, for the rest of the way on January the 2nd against Clemson. Uh, we'll cross our fingers. we get through all of these games uh, happy and healthy. So Miami and Oklahoma State, they'll play at the Cheez-It Bowl. That will be next Tuesday. Our next Hurricane Hotline will be a week from uh, tomorrow. will be next Wednesday. When we come back, Don Bailey Jr. will join us. We'll take a look at uh, the Hurricanes in Oklahoma State, have a little preview of that one. Also look back at signing day and uh, talk about the bowls and where we are with uh, the bowl situation. A lot of guys around the country are opting out. North Carolina, just about their entire backfield, has opted out, including linebacker Chase Surratt. So uh, Carolina hasn't played in a major bowl game in 70 years. They get a big one, and uh, Michael Carter decides to opt out. So did De'Ami Brown, the wide receiver, and linebacker uh, Surratt. So those guys opted out. Um, when we come back, we'll talk with Don Bailey Jr. as we continue right after this. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Happy to welcome you back to the Hurricane Hotline. Joe Zagacki, Don Bailey Jr. Very nice to talk with University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz. In good spirits, Hurricanes back out on the practice field, so it looks like we'll have uh, nearly a complete roster minus a couple of defensive ends, but that's the way it's going to be in bowl games, I think, for now on. This is uh, the new new way bowl games are going to be played. You're going to have a lot of opt-outs. You are, Joe, and I'm uh... – I'm going to have to get used to it. You know, I'm a believer that you go through the season with your teammates and your brothers and you get a reward of a bowl game. No matter where it is, it's a reward. And it's an opportunity to extend your career. It's an opportunity to remain together as a team. And, um, you know, but that's not how everybody sees it anymore. I think that uh, uh, there'll be some surprises. 
you know, for, for between now and the end of college football for, for opt-outs. I, I wouldn't be surprised if things, um, you know, you look at other teams around the country, that the guys decide a week before the game, even if the game's a couple weeks from now. So uh, college football right now is up in the air in certain areas, and opting out is, is one of those. You know, the Gators, they're going to play in the Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma, and their great tight end is opted out of the game. North Carolina, right now, their running back, Michael Carter, is opted out. Deami Brown, wide receiver, opted out. Surratt, the linebacker, opted out. And I, a part of me thinks that you guys are opting out to protect against injury. Whatever happened to the part about I'm playing against a great opponent and it's an opportunity for me to show my skills against a like-minded team? No answer. You know, it, it's a it's a difference in the in the game right now. I think that it's going to turn into a big picture conversation because if you're a bowl game, um, you're hoping that you're getting the full squad, right? You you don't want next year's spring game. You, you want you want exactly what you saw the week before. You want the team. You want the players that got you to ten wins or eleven wins or twelve wins or eight wins or seven. You want that version of the product. Because that's what's important, and that's not happening. We are filling in for Joe Rose on Thursday morning. So this is probably a topic we're going to talk about uh, on Thursday, where we are in college football, college athletics in general. I almost believe that, and you're on the Orange Bowl committee, so I want to make that up, put that out there. And I love the bowl games, and I love the Orange Bowl for what it has done for this community. But I think – they're going to have a tough time, the smaller bowls, surviving because they're not getting full value. Teams, like you said, it's almost next year's spring game. My suggestion for some of them would be play your bowl game at the beginning of the year. Well, you, you brought that up, and, and let's go back a little bit. I mean, uh, the, the turnout, uh, is, as far as the points go, and, and the turnout and the, the conclusion of the Miami-LSU game a few years ago was not what Miami fans wanted. Miami did not want to get beat that bad by LSU. But that stadium was full. But a lot of fans wanted to go see the game. So, therefore, you might be on to something. You know, look at the Florida game. We were we were in Orlando playing the University of Florida a couple of – Manny C. Diaz's first season. That thing was sold out more than any bowl game would have done it. Everybody's got their own playoff picture – I still think you can incorporate the bowls and probably expand your playoff to eight teams. And the bowls, as they were a couple of years ago, they can – Orange Bowl one year can host the championship game. Rose Bowl can hold championship game. They can go through that rotation. That's probably uh, another discussion because everybody has uh, their own thought on what college football should be. Heck, if they went back to the old format when you played, I, w- I would be okay with that. When they made – Bowl arrangements in the middle of the season. They made bowl deals in November. And uh, sometimes it worked out. Sometimes it did not. Miami's going to play in the Cheez-It Bowl against Oklahoma State. Uh, Cowboys have a, have an offense run by a quarterback by the name of Spencer Sanders. Uh, we're not sure what their running back situation is going to be. Their leading wide receiver is uh, perhaps opting out as well. Nonetheless, they've been running the system under Mike Gundy for a long time. This is going to be a tough challenge for Miami without their starting defensive ends. And 
the thing that you have to realize, you're losing you're, – you really, you've got three star defensive ends. Think about this, if those guys were in this ballgame. Rousseau took, out the, took off the whole year, and then you've got Phillips, and then you've got Roche. Well, those two guys you know, were the Batman and Robin, to me, of the entire season. Both of those guys did outstanding. And, but now you're going to go into this ballgame, and they've had their opt-outs. Oklahoma State's had their opt-outs as well. But you're going in, and you're going to have – two guys that have never started a game starting a defensive end, and then they're backups because you can't play a game with, with just two defensive ends. You need four or five. So now you're going really second team, third team, and one guy that's probably going to swing in there that in reality was a fourth team player. That's what you're going in and trying to beat a top 20 team with. I am excited to see Cameron Williams. So we saw some flashes this year, number 22. Chance Williams, number 33. True freshman came from Jacksonville and was rated as a top four. I think he was the number four defensive end in the country. So uh, Miami does have some promising players at that position, and I, I'm going to look forward to seeing those guys. I am too. They're th- and, and here's the thing we've got to remember is, in reality, they're a year older, right? You're at the end of a, an entire football season. So that's uh, – in football time, they're a year older. They've had – David Feely, the, the great strength and conditioning coach for the University of Miami, they've been under his watch. They've been coached um, every day of every week to get better. They're working on their technique. They're going to be the guys next year. So they're going to get a, really a start and an experience that is going to be so valuable where if things turn out, they're not going to be so in awe when they take on the Crimson Tide in the, their next ball game after this bowl game. We're probably going to have to call this name a lot. Amen, Abong Bimiga. Amen, Abong Bimiga. He wears number seven for Oklahoma State. Are you just going to say number seven? Yes. <laughs> I'm saying number seven or amen. I mean, it's, it's simple. I got, I'm not venturing down that road with that name, and nor will I ever. He's a beast at linebacker. He's a beast at linebacker, and I uh, and you're gonna you better get that name down because unfortunately, I believe that you'll probably say it at least eight times. They are number three in the nation in third down defense. They've held their opponents to 26 percent on third down and 22 points per game, which in that conference, the Big 12, I think is a miracle. Well, no, that that's that's the kicker. They're number three in that conference. That means they're as good as you can get period, in college football on third down. So what Miami's going to have to do, part of that is, is they'll bring a lot of pressure on third down, and they get to the quarterback, and they've got the players to do it. They've got the personnel to do it. And you talk, brought up something earlier in the week about where's this team come from. These aren't really a bunch of Oklahoma guys. These are really a bunch of high-end, high-rated Texas football players that cross the border. They've got a nice little mix here, and, it, and they've done very, very well for a long time. Well, the quarterback was Mr. Football in the state of Texas, so that will tell you. By the way, uh, another subject I think we're going to uh, kick around on, on Joe Rose's show on Thursday. If you look at the rankings this year, Miami's number eight team, USC number 17, Miami number 18, Texas number 20. Each of them won championships in the 2000s. USC had a dynasty as good as Miami's dynasty. Right now, here we are in 2020. Miami and USC are basically the same, and Texas. Three of the most powerful programs. This is very cyclical. 
And right now, the dominant forces are obviously Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. And if anybody thinks you're leapfrogging those teams anytime soon, it's not happening. I don't know how you you go from 17 or 18 to knocking those guys out because they just keep stockpiling the talent. Almost all the high-end talent, that's who they're choosing between. That, those you got three choices, right? It's going to be, as you said, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. Those three teams have proven year in and year out, especially in the playoff era, that they are going to get first pick. And then everybody else is scrambling on how to get in there, how to get the coaching, how to get the conditioning, how to get the nutrition for the one spot. It's really proven to be. There's one spot that somebody fights for every year because the other three spots have been locked down. Maybe the one way you do it is Miami's coming off a really good recruiting class, and now you're going to go play them. You're going to go play Alabama next September. So you're going to take your chances. I watched Alabama against Florida the other night, and I'm not so sure that Alabama's not going to win the championship. They're going to play – I think they're going to play Clemson. and uh, But Alabama looked pretty darn good to me. Here's an example of where we are in college football, recruiting. And everybody talks about keep your local players home. That's not something that is just in Miami. Every school wants to keep their local players home. Texas wants to keep the guys in Texas home. Oklahoma, they want to keep the guys in Oklahoma and in Oklahoma. Washington, the state of Washington, Don, three five-star players. One of them, Damon Ewart's son, Damon Ewart backed up Dan Marino, his son, five-star quarterback, stayed in Washington. The other two, a wide receiver and a defensive lineman. One went to Ohio State, one went to Alabama. They didn't stay home in Washington. They went to the guys that are playing in the playoff. Look at Clemson. The quarterback that we're going to see for the next two or three years was from California. He came all the way across the whole country. And, it, and it's, it's, not, it's one thing when a California kid comes from a big city in California to a big city in, in another part of the United States. It's another deal when a kid comes from California and goes to Clemson, South Carolina, right, or the University of Clemson. That's a whole other deal. So I, I think that nowadays, in my opinion, when you look at recruiting, you have to get the right mix as you can from your area, and then it's national. you got to get who wants to be a hurricane. Who look, look at what they did with Jay Garcia. Jay Garcia is a California kid, to your point, coming to Miami. And Miami's had great luck with California quarterbacks. And last year's Miami's quarterback, Van Dyke, they had to go to Connecticut to get him. A very good get for, for, for the University of Miami. You've got to be able to go national. And there's some areas, and South Florida is one of them, that just hasn't have not produced year in and year out enough quarterbacks and really, in my opinion, enough offense alignment to fulfill the need for the schools in your state because your state's going to co- cover – everybody in the state's going to cover the state. And you've got to go elsewhere and, and get the diversity of, of – of players that you need to be a successful program. A week from now, it will be Miami and Oklahoma State in Orlando at Camping World Stadium. Kickoffs at 5.30. We'll be on the air with our pregame show at 1.30 in the afternoon. A week from today, next Tuesday, Miami and Oklahoma State. We'll continue with our show right after this. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.